And we're live. Ferdie, I first heard tell of you by a mutual friend of ours, Des Seepersod, a friend and past guest of the show. And he mentioned some story about this mad bastard he knew, basically, that was out cycling out in the sand. Where, where were you? <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh, I'm just home from Dubai. I was living in Dubai the last three years. And I've done a lot of cycling. I'm doing, I've done a lot of cycling this year. And there's a 50-kilometer loop. Not in the city itself of Dubai, just a little bit out of Dubai. And anybody who's been to the UAE will know once you go out of Dubai, inland a bit, it's just all sand. It's just nothing. It literally just it's desert kind of just from horizon to horizon. More or less, yeah. Um, and there is a cycling route out there because you can't really cycle in anywhere in the middle of the city because of just traffic and the city is just all highways. Like, you know, even cycling in Dublin, you know, yourself would be difficult. But in Dubai, it's virtually impossible. It's just highways everywhere. You, you, I don't even think you're allowed to cycle on it. Right. So everybody does triathlons and cycle, cycling, most of them would cycle out at this place called Al-Qudra. So Al-Qudra is just a 50k loop through the desert, so it goes way off kind of into the desert and back into the starting point, which is just a car park, essentially. And I'd been cycling there four or five times. I'd done four or five times at this stage. Sometimes I do one loop 50k, sometimes I do two loops, which would be 100k. Um, but I went out one evening a bit later than I usually go at about half four or five maybe and I started cycling and I got about halfway through so I'm at the furthest point away from getting back to the car park and because I'd gone a few hours later than normal I realised that the sunlight's going Yeah. and because this, as the sun was going down I came to the realisation that oh shit I've got no lights on my bike and there's just no artificial lighting anywhere because you're essentially just in the middle of the desert so I just started cycling as quickly as I could but um, in Dubai, because it's closer to the equator than, than Ireland, the sun goes down very quickly, a lot quicker than here. So it essentially goes from being bright to dark in 20 minutes. And then, yeah, it was probably about 20, uh, 15k from home when, yeah, I was just in complete darkness. So I was there with my bike in complete darkness in the desert. Uh, phone battery was gone. No way of getting back to the car park. So I just had to cycle really slowly. And I could just about make out just a white line in the middle of the cycling track to separate the cyclists going anti-clockwise and clockwise. So I just had to cycle really slowly, looking at that white line the rest of the way home, trying not to go off into the sand or to fall over. But it was just uh, such an uncomfortable, surreal experience just getting back home for... And it probably took me about over an hour, even though it was only 20k, just to get back to the car park. When I got back to the car park, there was a bit of light. So I... uh, I got back eventually anyway, without falling somehow, but you, um, I, I straight after that, I went and I bought bike lights, just so, <laughs> it, so, so it wouldn't happen again, but yeah. But just, that, that's seriously dangerous though, for people who mightn't understand, is it? I mean, my it, understanding is that the roads that you drive on over there can get covered in sand to the point where yeah, you can't see the road, and that's yeah. in, in daylight. Yeah, well, now the, the cycle track is just for cyclists, so essentially a road just for cycling, so there's no cars on it or nothing like that. And there was one or two other cyclists that passed me with lights and I was hoping to be able to just ask them, explain my situation and ask to tail them. But because uh, I was going so slowly and some of these cyclists are good, like they're averaging 40, 45k, they just zoomed right past me. And then I didn't want to try and catch up with them just in case I fell over. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, I got back eventually yeah, and I made sure that not to not to let that happen again. Yeah, um, right. But yeah. 
And could I, we, could ju- I could just kind of, could just about make out the white. You know, you know the same the white line that we have in the middle of the road. Yeah, here. yeah, of course. Yeah. Because it was it was dark, but you kind of just because that was white, you kind of just make out that. So I kind of just had to just keep keep that under me at all times. Yeah, um, yeah. Because otherwise, you go from tarmac straight into the sand, and I just have kept falling over, and it would have taken me twice as long probably. Yeah, no, of course. But it gets pretty cold out there as well. Like, I mean, if you were if you got stuck out there, like, would you? It, it, would it be a danger you wouldn't make it would that be was that in your head at all worst case scenario if 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 I just if I was finding it too awkward cycling I would have been able to walk home like right because all you have to do is keep on the tarmac and keep going clockwise on the tarmac which I was going because it's a big loop and I would have got back to the car park it would have just been really annoying and taken me a couple of more hours yeah, and it yeah. wasn't that late like, it wasn't like the middle of the night around. it was only like by the time I got back it was maybe half seven eight in the evening yeah it was still early enough like but um i was just stupidity on my part not to have foreseen that that i have no lights on my bike and that if the sun goes down over here i'm left in darkness <laughs> but yeah i come here when you were over there so you how long were you in, in dubai or what were you doing in dubai three years i was just teaching pe over there okay yeah and is that when you got into the triathlon that's, that's where i met des uh, okay des des is first me and des done our first year together and then he only done one year and I ended up doing three. So I'm just back home now about a month or two months. And um, so that's how I met Des. And that's that's where I did my first triathlon as well. And was that like, had you, were you big into the fitness before then or when did that I was always big, big into fitness, but it was more so like the sports I would have played younger. I would have played Gaelic football growing up. And like then most I, people. Yeah, uh, most Irish least. people yeah, essentially. Yeah. And I started doing athletics then at about when I was in TY. So maybe 15, 14, 15 years old. And I'd done that up until about first year of college because I was always a fast runner. And um, on our football team, I just wanted a faster runner. So I said I might as well do athletics. And then I won a few races at local level. But when I got to college, it was just a different kettle of fish. Like it was, uh, the lads were just so, so good that I was never going to. I knew it was that was kind of my limit was just being able to win races locally, but uh, that's what I was good at. Funnily enough, was kind of shorter races like I done like one hundred meters, two hundred meters, a bit of hurdles, um, long jump, and that's what I would have been better at rather than the stuff I'm doing now because I was never actually that good at endurance, the endurance side of things. And when did that kick in, or when did you start looking at endurance as something that you? I just ever since I heard about triathlons. When I was about 17 or 18, I always knew I just wanted to do one. I just liked the idea of it, just to swim, cycle and run in a race. Yeah, an um, itch to scratch, like. I just an itch to scratch, yeah. And then I had started here. I never got around to doing it. And I just started hearing about Ironmans. And the first time I heard about an Ironman triathlon. Um, so an Ironman triathlon. I know you know, you know what it is. But yeah, yeah, for no, people listening, means. it's a 4K swim, a 180K bike and a f- marathon run. And I remember thinking, like, I couldn't believe that people even done this. Yeah. Um, and I just knew back then I always wanted to do one. But obviously I was going to do a a, trat- a shorter triathlon first before I ever done an Ironman triathlon. Um, so it was three years ago when I just got down to start training for my first one, uh, which was my first year in Dubai. And what's the distances, again, just for the, the benefit of the people listening, for the yeah. is it a sprint triathlon? That's the, so the there, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's four distances, really, of triathlon. There are sprint, Olympic, half Ironman and Ironman. So sprint would be 750 metre swim, 20 kilometre cycle, 5 kilometre run, 
Olympic is double that, so fifteen hundred meter swim, twenty or forty k bike, ten k run. Half Ironman is more or less double Olympic. It's one point nine k swim, ninety k cycle, twenty k run, and then the Ironman is three point eight k swim, hundred eighty k cycle, eighty four k or forty two k run. Yeah, but you wouldn't be bothered with all those kind of short distances like that, would you? <laughs> well, that's that's all I've done, but not not at the moment. At the moment, I'm I'm, I'm trying to do something different. All right. Yeah, there's something different being yeah. the hardest one, but and here's the, here's the here's the weird thing for me. I don't know which is harder to do. Like you're doing what's called a double Ironman. Yeah. Now, when I first heard of the double Ironman, I obviously thought that was just insane because the Ironman is insane. Yeah. But in my innocence, I thought it was back-to-back Ironman. So you did an Ironman, and then mm. it was finished. You did another Ironman. But it's worse than that. Well, there's actually two formats of a double Ironman. You can do, there's a format where there's one, one a day for two days consecutively, and then all together. Most of them are all together like I'm doing. So that's... Uh, um, but again, you're doing it all together, so you know yeah. they say go and you you do it till it's finished. But you're you don't do an Ironman and then another Ironman. It's double it's, the distance. It's double the distance. So I'm doing it all. So I'm doing the swim all at once. The so cycle all at so once. So what are the distances there? So again? the distance for what I'm doing in August is a seven point six kilometer swim, three hundred sixty k bike, and eighty four k run. End to end, you know. End to end, someone cut says, off. Someone yeah. says go, and that's it. Everyone starts together, and then the cut off time from start to finish is thirty four hours. Thirty four hours, yeah, which I'm going to be close to. That's yeah. You're looking. My, to, you're looking to finish. I'm just looking to finish. Yeah, that's that's probably my biggest obstacle at the moment. Is definitely the cut off time, being under the cut off time of thirty four hours. And will you get to finish it at least, and just have a, a not get a medal, or what way does it work, or? Like if, you, if you're know, an hour actually. or two short to I, finish I line. think if, if you're within if, if, if you're going to be half an hour late or something I'm pretty sure they'll let you finish like they're definitely not going to not let you finish but I don't think they can put you down as an official finisher on their records yeah, or website yeah. and maybe you don't get the medal or something but definitely they let you finish if you're anything under an hour later yeah, they yeah. let you finish yeah Okay, and that's in Lithuania, isn't it? That's in Lithuania at the end of August this year, yeah. And again, I was uh, a friend of mine was giving me a dig out this morning, and I was saying that I, I had to go to do a podcast with yourself, and mentioned briefly what you were doing, and he he his knee jerk answer or his knee jerk question should I say was, where are you doing it? Because in his mind, presumably you weren't doing it in Ireland because there wouldn't be enough mad yeah. bastards like you to organise a double <laughs> Ironman. So that's basically why you have to go as far afield. Or do they ever be in Ireland or, or what way does it work? Yeah, well, there's, there's only actually... So when I when I first... I knew I wanted to do kind of ultra triathlons since I first heard of it again, which is I read about in a book a few years ago. And I started looking online. I decided to do it around September... I think it was August, September of last year, 2017. And I just started looking online for races. And there's only about, I found that there's only about six or seven races held worldwide every year for a double Ironman because so few people do them because it's just so such few a crazy people, so, race. So people, some people, so few people do them slash can do them. <laughs> well, <laughs> do even, even mean, attempt like, to do, do them either. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, and... Uh, like was endurance in you 
Like, you know, did you used to work 24-hour shifts when you were a teenager or, you know... Nothing like that. Anything. No. Is there anything at all? Like- Nothing like that. When I done my first triathlon there two and a half years ago in Dubai, the longest race I'd done would have been a 5K run, probably. Um, and I was always an, an okay runner in terms of middle distance, long distance, but my strength would always been in, in shorter distances, funny enough, in sprinting. But I just wanted to do... I I know I knew I was never going to win a triathlon or anything like that or do really well in it, but I just wanted to finish one. Um, so I I just started training for one. Then as soon as I got over to Dubai, and I had to actually kind of basically teach myself how to swim because I could swim and I knew how to swim my whole life, but I was one of them swimmers. There's probably three categories of swimmers: swimmers who can swim, who can like drop them out and the middle of the sea they could swim a mile home to the shore people who can swim like me but who haven't really ever swam a lot and don't really kind of have a hang hang at a proper technique or breeding and then people who just can't swim at all so I was probably in the category of people I could swim but I just couldn't swim for a long time and I do like if I did three lengths without stopping in the water I'd be just gasping for breath at the side yeah, like, yeah. I, I used because to I just like yeah I just didn't have a hang of the breed more so yeah so it took me a long time that was always what was stopping me from doing a triathlon because I knew I'd be I had the fitness to do a a 20k cycle and a 5k run not fast but I knew I'd finished them yeah whereas a 750 meter swim which is the distance for a sprint triathlon I would just think if, if this was in a lake or in a sea I'd, I'd drown like you know, yeah. So I just had to. It took me a good couple of months to get a hang of the swimming, and then once I could do the swimming, I had the confidence then to to just enter my first triathlon. Um, so you learned to swim basically as train as part of the training for your yeah, first triathlon, essentially. Yeah. And that to, to me, what I love about that is that's a great heads up to people out there who are who might have it in their head that they'd love to do a triathlon, but they can't swim. That was exactly fucking me, and that stopped learn, me a couple of years. Swim, like. But I was just like, yeah, I was like, I want to do this. I just learned to fucking swim, yeah. And did you get lessons or did you just... I, I didn't get lessons. I actually just, just kind of learned myself. I looked up a few YouTube videos and I kind of knew what I was doing wrong. I used to swim a good bit with Des, actually. And Des would have been the type that could swim 12, 15 lengths in a row before he was fucked and I could only get two or three. So I kind of used to watch him sometimes and he explained to me, even though he's not a coach, but he just knew that it's just once you get hang of breeding in the water, yeah. Um, then it's plain sailing from there, really. So I just practised... But if I had got lessons, it would have taken me half the time probably to get good at the same time, you know. I know what you mean, yeah, yeah, of course. So where are you now if it's in Lithuania? When does your training start? I started training for this just right after I entered it, which is back in September. So around end of September, early October, I started training for it. So specifically for, you need a year's training for it? Well, I needed a full year anyway, because I don't have much of an endurance base. Other people who've done, there's a few people who've done ultra triathlons um, continuously for the past five, six years, they have such a base of fitness where they can kind of just fine-tune themselves for seven or eight weeks and turn up on race day and blast one out. Yeah, their base yeah, level. But is I, such a- since I have no real endurance base, i done an Ironman triathlon in 2016 in England and I didn't do much in 2017 then. So I was any bit of fitness I had, I kind of lost a lot of it. So when I was starting in September, I was starting from not having much off an endurance base. So I knew I was just going to have to spend a long time building up the base. Almost spend like six months building up the base, a base of fitness, and then start an early training then for that. 
So nearly training to to get fit for training, essentially, is kind of what I had to do. Yeah, yeah, I'd well believe it, yeah. yeah. Because, like, so what did you, in, was it September last year you started, yeah. what did starting to train for, what what did that look like? So I looked up, because I had no idea how to train for or what to do. So I looked up online, which I did for the triathlons and the Ironman triathlon. I don't and sorry, I to, up, sorry to cut across yeah. you, but was this before or after you entered it? That you started looking up how you were actually going to do it. Just <laughs> it, was, it was actually after I yes, entered it. Yes, <laughs> I love that shit. I fucking love that shit. Actually, there's a funny story about entering it um, as well. The race, I emailed, when I found out about the race in Lithuania, I emailed the race director because there was no way, um, there was a website there, but half of it was in Lithuanian. And when you translate it to English, you can't really follow it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But um, So I emailed the race director saying I was thinking of, of entering the race or whatever. Um, could you give me more info? What's the story with it? And he was he's a Lithuanian guy himself who finished it the last two years in a row. He's finished it and done quite well in it. And um he in a very slick marketing marketing tactic, I went on the following day to the website to find out that he had entered me into the race. He'd put my name down on the starting <laughs> list and it just entered me into the race anyway. As a so that was kind of his slick motivating tactic on his behalf probably what a legend <laughs> he just went ahead and mentioned me after me just looking for information on it yeah um, so then and then he was dude, he was very easy about the payment I didn't have to pay I didn't end up paying until January or February and how much is it? it was it's it's a lot cheaper than like the likes of an Ironman uh, an Ironman triathlon's around 500 euro okay. and this this was only 150 is it, it's not the Ironman brand then, is it? It's not, not the Ironman brand, right? And that's the that's and it's the actually you, you're not allowed to officially call it a double Ironman because it's not the Ironman brand. You have yes. to, I think it's just called a double ultra. Okay, one. but everyone just says double Ironman, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he kind of entered me then anyway, and I just started looking up training plans for it, and there was no information online, um, which I thought was strange because. You look for a training plan for a marathon, training plan for a 5k, for a 100 meter sprint, you'll get tons and tons of information on Google. But there was nothing, there was no training plans at all for a double Ironman. So, and that's, I kind of found it afterwards, that's because so few people do them. And? So, so few people do them. Like, it's, it's, it's I said there's only six races a year and. Worldwide. Worldwide in a year. And only, you're only getting about 20, 30 participants. In each of those races. Yeah. In Lithuania so far, it's only 30 participants. Out of a pool of 7 billion people. Like. Exactly. And last year, <laughs> there was only 17, I think. So, yeah, you're looking at very small numbers. So, that's why, since so few people do them, so few, few people even know about them. Yeah. Um, even, like, triathletes. Um, a guy I was friends with over in Dubai is a triathlon coach. And he's really good at triathlons. He, like, regularly podiums. Finishes in the top three. And I think he represented South Africa at swimming when he was younger. And when I told him about the double Ironman I was doing, he was just gobsmacked. He didn't even know those races existed. And he's, he's a, he's a triathlon coach. coach. Yeah, so like that's not many people know about these type of races. So there was just no information online. So I had to find people who had done them already. And I asked for their advice on training, which was a big help. And everybody I reached out to were extremely helpful. Um, again, because... It's not really there's not really a competitive factor with these races. It's more everybody's kind of in it together because most people are hoping just to finish. So everybody's kind of helping each other out. So I've been talking to three or four people who've did, given me different advice on training, and um, they were just saying the first lad was an English lad who's done a f- good few of them, 
and I was emailing him and he just said to get try and get between 15 and 18 hours a week for the first few months just to build up a base um, and I was getting around 12, 13, 14. So 15 or 18 hours of training a week. Yeah. Just, just to get you started. <laughs> exactly, just, you yeah. know, build up a little bit of a base, yeah. you know. It's, it's taken me... <laughs> it took, I was doing maybe 12 for the first couple of months. And then I was probably going a little bit at too much of a high intensity maybe. But then I got... He then sent me on another email for an American guy who'd done loads of them and was being like, this guy will help you out more. So I emailed him and his name is Wayne Kurtz. He's kind of famous in the ultra-triathlon world because he's done everything from Ironman distance up to a double Ironman, triple Ironman, even a deck Ironman, which is 10 in a row. And That's think, 10 days though, isn't it? Yeah, 10 days. And I think he's done, I think the amount of Ironmans, I think this lad has done 100 Ironmans that have been just ultra triathlons, if that makes sense, in terms of that, like all the accumulative Ironmans that he's done a part of, um, ultra triathlons have accounted 100. So if okay. he does a deck, I count that as 10. If he does a double, count that as 2. That's yes, 12. Yes. Triple, another 3 is 15. Yeah, I think he's done 100, which is just incredible. Like, So I emailed him, and he has a book with a 20-week training plan on it. And he sent me the PDF of the book. So that was... So from 20 weeks from the start date, my plan was to just start following his plan. But his plan is is fairly intense. Like he's got between 21 and 25 hours of training every week. And sorry, this is for an Ironman or a double? A double Ironman. So, okay, so yeah, specifically yeah. for so a that, double. So that's okay. the only training plan to my knowledge that's out there for a double. Right. So what I found out about this before the 20 weeks, so I just kept teetering away until I got to 20 weeks, which is about six weeks ago before the race. And I started following the plan then. But even with that, I'm struggling to get the volume in that's in the plan. And that's the, just the time commitment because, you, like you're saying, you know, that's it. If it's twenty hours of training, like that's probably like twenty hours of training is probably twenty five hours out of your life because yeah. like the yeah, twenty exactly, hours training yeah. is you're on the bike with all your gear and everything yeah. else, and then you you know you hit start and the timer. Yeah. But presumably, and that's not including stretching or core work and stuff like that. But as that well, like, yeah, yeah, of course. On top of that, again, yeah. like so, twenty hours is probably is probably twenty five hours out of your life. Uh, yeah, at least, and then just driving over and back between the pool and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, getting to where you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, 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 you're talking. Yeah, twenty hours of training probably is at least twenty five hours out of your life. That and way. the swim, then, don't tell me that's in a pool. Is it in a pool? It's not. Most of them are for an ultra for any ultra triathlon that's longer than Ironman. Most of the pools are actually most of the swims are actually in a pool. But this one is in a lake. I think it's eight laps of a lake. Right. And there. have you done much open water swimming? or I've done a bit in Dubai, but this year I haven't done much. Because um, the water is, especially in Ireland, like the water is just cold. You need, most people who do swimming in lakes would have, along with a the wetsuit, they'd have the wetsuit gloves and the wetsuit feet and the wetsuit, the whole balaclava yoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's only recently they started, they said the experts said it's safe to go out in the lake with just a wetsuit. Right. You don't have to have the gloves for it or the feet. Um, Presumably, that's in relation to the you know do, swimming kilometers and kilometers because like you go swimming in a lake in your shorts. Yeah, you know, maybe, obviously not for yeah, hours. Yeah, see, if, if, if you're going to be out for an hour or so, yeah, it's just a danger, just getting really cold. Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so how does that work then with your training for the swimming? Like, presumably you're training in a pool. I've been training not in a wetsuit. Yeah, I've been training in a pool. Uh, the last few months, and, and I'm going to start 
this week or next week probably to be honest just start training in a lake right um, but you'll still get fitness from the pool like it's, oh of course it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's only it's obviously better when the race is in a lake it's obviously better to be training in a lake but I'm not too bothered about doing it in the pool instead of the lake for the moment yeah you know, that's, yeah. that's fair enough um, I was going to say something about the, the pool there no it's, it's, it's gone so in relation to the diet then is, is there a diet plan that accompanies the the training plan or no not and interestingly enough with the diet from the, I need a race report of red of people talking about the diet who, who've done races some of them write a blog about it or something there's a lot of people um, have eat just a lot of crap basically during the races themselves and even through training because you're burning so much calories that you kind of just want to get high calorie foods into them and so they just kind of eat a lot of chocolate and even fast food some lad was eating like sausage rolls in, in, in the race itself yeah, yeah just and just to mix it up with, with stuff like fruit and bananas um, just to mix up mix it up as well because you're eating the whole time um, so I've been I've actually improved my diet a bit because I used to eat like terribly like doing doing when doing my first Ironman I was eating like three or four McDonald's a week and I was telling myself this is fine because I'm doing so much training and burning burning it all off yeah, yeah but because I've been struggling so much this year I've just had to really try and focus on my sleep and I just started focusing on eating better as well so I'm trying to eat as best I can um, like I'll just have porridge every morning and then I'll have a dinner that I get at home which is you know any normal Irish dinner you're getting your, your chicken you get your veg your potato which is essentially a good meal compared to most other things and then I'll try and just eat as healthy as can like try and eat tuna and eggs and just loads of greens throughout the day but often then at night time like at 9 or 10 at night I just still be starving and I just have, you just have a craving you just want something that's high in calories like just yeah, whether it's biscuits or chocolate so I've just, I'm still eating a lot of all the crap as well but you're just kind of burning it off because you just need so much calories. And how many calories you burn? Like if you're doing 20 odd yeah, hours a week training? At least 5,000 a day. I'm eating at least 5,000 calories a day at the moment. So double what the, your double average what man, it, double what it, Yeah, I, double what I've eaten last year or whatever. Just constantly hungry. Like um, In Dubai there, before I came home, like I remember a few different nights after doing a long cycle, I would have eaten so much food. I don't count calories or anything like that. But I would have had like just maybe two dinners throughout the day and then after a four or five hour cycle I come home and I'd be in bed and at about 11 o'clock at night I'd just be starving and I'd just have to order McDonald's get it to the house and I'd just polish it off and then just go to sleep and are you so getting any help because between like you're up on what 20 hours of training a week now yeah does that increase like will like can it like it, there's obviously, obviously an upper limit to how many hours a week training you're, yeah. you can do no matter what like if you were training for a, a run to the moon and back you can't train 200 hours a week do you know what I mean yeah, so, exactly well that's what kind of what happened to me was because as soon as I started that 20 week plan the first week was 21 hours and I only got I think 17, 18 hour, 17 or 18 hours in and then even the next week I was supposed to do 22 hours and I was nearly more tired again I got less 15 or 16 hours in so I just kind of I tried to jump into it too quickly. So I'm just kind of still at the moment. I'm six weeks into the plan. I don't think I've ever done. I haven't done one week yet where I've done everything that's on the plan. So I'm still kind of just building up to even getting the amount in 
that's in on the plan. And it's sorry, did you say it was a twenty week plan? It's a twenty week plan, yeah. And you're still I think I'm in I'm in week six at the moment, so But how many weeks out are you up until I've fourteen weeks left till fourteen weeks left. Until fourteen weeks left until the the race the itself. Race. Yeah. Okay, right. Okay. How many hours sleep are you trying to get in? Or do you get in? I used to I used to only get around six, six and a half hours of sleep and I've started getting eight the last few months. Probably just with all the training, I just need that extra hour. So I'm just get, I'm getting around seven and a half, eight hours okay. of sleep. Because it it's only recently I've been interested in sleep. There was a guy, oh fuck, his name escapes me. He was on Rogan only recently. Walker, I think, is his surname. Um, that's well worth a, a listen. Yeah. Um, he's a, I'm not sure exactly what his PhD is in, but all his research has been on sleep and the import, importance of it. And one thing that kind of came out in the wash, for me at least, is while I was listening to it and even just... Li- thinking back about it. Rogan's done like 1500 podcasts or whatever it is and I've probably listened to thousands of podcasts at this stage in relation to all sorts of different things but he was the first person I ever heard speaking about sleep what we spend a third of our life doing do you know like I know it's yeah. a, it's a, it, was, it was a weird one so I'd highly recommend you listen to that I must do yeah just in relation to how the, the evolutionary reasons behind why we have it, why we need so much of it, how you can't cheat it, how you can't, you know, have four hours one night and 12 hours the next and, and make up for it. It's, it's, it's well worth a, a look. But the reason I was asking about, you know, the amount of hours training and your diet and the amount of sleep that you're getting is there's only so much hours, so many hours in the day. Are you getting help? Do you know that kind of way? Like, is there anyone helping you with, like, preparing meals or doing anything for you because like, you have to work as well or are you at this full time or, or what how does it all how do you all squeeze it yeah no that's, like? that's a good question Um, to be perfectly honest when I was in Dubai the job I had as a PE teacher anyone who's worked as a PE teacher will know it, it's a job that allows you to pursue a lot of extra curricular stuff I'd say because you have no paperwork to do the job is relatively stress-free. You know, um, the hours are good. It was eight to four I was working. And completely stress-free. Because like, you're not... With other subjects, if you're teaching them, you're worrying about getting students good marks for exams and all. When it's just P, you're grand. Like, well, your only worry is someone getting hurt. So I was very easily able to work. Even though it was 17, 18 hours a week I was doing, I still found it very easy to, to work that into my work week, to work the training into my work week. Because I just, I get up at six, I do a swim for an hour, do my work day at eight to four, come home, have a bit of food, and I could go out to Al Qudra at five, do a three hour cycle until eight, be back home at nine or ten. Yeah, and yeah. And not have really like, still still have enough time to get eight hours sleep. Um, but so, you, you weren't training for a double then, and that was kind of all Well, I, I only came home from Dubai six, seven weeks ago now, so I would have been training for a double, okay. yeah, the previous six months um, since September since I moved over since I was in after the summer holidays when I went over back when I went back to Dubai since September I would have been training for the double up until I came home six seven weeks ago okay it's just what's coming to mind is there's not much room for a life outside no that that's true like so I had to I gave up drinking there in New Year's I haven't drank since New Year's because as you said I just knew I wouldn't have the time to go out and drink because, well, you're only doing it at night time, but the whole next day is ruined. Of course um, it is, yeah. It's different when you're 
18, 19, 20, when you can wake up at 8 o'clock and you're flying. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, now, <laughs> like, I just wouldn't be able to do it. I'd nearly ruined two days of training for me. And I, can't, I couldn't even afford to miss, to start missing a day a week with the amount I had to get done. So I just stopped drinking. And then, yeah, stuff like television, I just had completely stopped watching. Um, I deleted the Facebook app off my phone to try and just l- limit procrastination of any sort to get again to just fit it all in and then I just got in a weird way I started to really like the lifestyle though of just not going out not spending time waste, wasting not wasting time on TV not wasting time on Facebook I just loved started to love the routine of it but funnily enough now that I've gone back home to Dubai now that I've got back home from Dubai I uh, haven't been working full time I've just been subbing here and there in different schools and I'm actually finding it nearly harder to do the training even though I'm not working during the day because you're just out of your routine and you're out of your schedule so much Yeah, of I'm course. still getting it done but like often I don't start till 5 or 6 in the evening and I'll be like why didn't I just do this in the morning Yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it's funny <laughs> enough when you fall out of a routine our routine's critical uh, routine's critical. so important Like that's what I found out the last few months it's so important like. but you see it with, like if you've ever been out of work for any length of time yeah. and anybody that's unemployed at the minute will know all about it you know, hours turn into days, turn into weeks, and, and all yeah. of a sudden you're you're unemployed. Everyone just kind of molds together. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, without that routine, you, you and you get nothing done with all the time. That and you completely lose your motivation then. Big time, yeah. everything, like big yeah. time. You start staying up late, getting up late. You're groggy. Watching Netflix at two or three in the morning. Yeah, waking up much, at two. Yeah. That's a horrible lifestyle. Re- reruns yeah. of Friends, and it just it's yeah. it's 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 hard. Um, like I don't think I was. I'm always at my happiest when I'm training, and when I'm yeah. training. You're just you're you're busier. You've you've more you've more to be doing. Yeah. Do you like know what I mean? Uh, I it, fe- it feels you're missing out and stuff, but you're not really like. Oh, and Des always said this to me not. too. He's like, you know, you're missing out. Not what are you missing out? An hour of TV, t- three hours of TV. What's that going to do for you in the long long run? Fuck Big time, yeah. yeah. And one thing that I've the more and more people like yourself that I've been chatting to uh, on the podcast and, and off it, the more I realise that the, the people who are out there, you know, living life, whether it's doing doubles or cycling across America or whatever, whatever it is, pick your poison, you know, building a business or whatever, none of those guys watch telly. None yeah, of them. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, yeah, you just come to the realisation that, like, it's, it's, it's doing nothing for you. It, but it's yeah. worse than that, though. It has a negative effect on you. Because yeah. if nothing else, if you're sitting down and watching two or three hours of telly in the evening which is kind of standard for most people yeah. you, know, you, you do a nine to five job by the time you get home feed the kids you, you know or whatever the, the kids are in bed at seven or eight o'clock you're up till you know ten or eleven just sitting there flicking through the channels and you're sitting on your arse for that length of time is, isn't good for you do you know that kind of way yeah, especially if you've been not. sitting on your arse all day at work yeah. do you know that kind of way but um, I've fallen back into that hole a little bit since I came home from Dubai so yeah I'm just trying to get out of that again and on that like falling into a hole how do you keep yourself motivated have you training partners have you people you go off with because the bikes in particular must be time wise are they the most time consuming of the training oh absolutely yeah yeah like in a 20 hour training week that I do 13 14 hours could be on the bike right yeah Um, okay and is that do you do like kind of hill repeats and that on the bike or is it all long I distance don't, or what actually. way does it work um, it's kind of it's worked on time so when the training plan doesn't mention distance it's just like do six hours today and my six hours would be less than most other ultra triathlete six hours I'd say because the bike would be my weakness at the moment my biggest weakness Um, so I would just do I live in Cavan so I just go to Enniskillen and back maybe that's about 100k 
and then some, maybe some, one day I did that twice that's 200k um, and that'd be about 7 or 8 hours for me 200k um, 8 hours probably and that's kind of all flat because the race director recently sent me a video off the race off the race course in Lithuania off the bike route and it's completely flat right? which is great just because it makes it easier but it's also it's a uh, it's only a 4k loop so you have to do it 90 times jesus <laughs> which it sounds ridiculous it is it, ridiculous yeah. it just, it just, it just yeah. doesn't sound as and it, it's it's more head wrecking in a lot of ways but it makes a lot of sense and i'm really happier with it because it's um you're constantly going past like the main area of the race what would you say the just like where the race directors are, where the nurses are, the doctor is, where your oh, crew is. Okay. Yeah, so you, con- yeah. you constantly have access to food. Every four kilometers you have access to food, to water, to like the massage tent and everything. So you're kind of constantly being monitored and looked after. Whereas yeah. if it was one big loop, you'd be if you're fucked in the middle of nowhere, you've got no help. Okay, so, so it kind of makes sense in that way that you're they're all they can always look at you. And in re- more head wrecking. In relation to the support, like if you get a puncture in that four uh, k loop. Like let's say if you if you get a puncture right beside everything, you know, the, yeah. the food station, the aid station and all that jazz, are you left to your own devices to get up and fix it or will someone help you or what way does that I work? Have to double check that. I'm pretty sure someone can help you. Right. Um if I got it not right beside everybody, I'd just fix it myself. But yeah, if I was if I got a puncture right right outside one of right where my crew was yeah, they could just help me fix it, and I got to get it done in half the time. I'm and pretty I'm sure they could. I, I could have forgotten to mention the the, the crew and the thing. So, yeah. what way does that work? Yeah, who so do you have it's, it's recommended you bring over two crew people with you. At the moment, I have one. He's a childhood friend of mine, um, and John McGuire is his name, and he's doing. He's a triathlete himself. He's doing Ironman, Bolton with me this year as well. In a, in a couple of, in a few weeks. And so he's coming over with me because he'd have a big interest in triathlons and ultra triathlons as well as I would. And so I have him over with me. And I was hoping to get my brother because he's a physio, but he just couldn't get the time off work. Um, so I have one at the moment, but my parents recently said they're thinking of going over. Um, just like as spectators. But if they were to come over as spectators, they'd end up kind of helping you out a lot as well and kind of just being your crew as well. Yeah. So... Um, I'd have them then as well, so that'd be three. Actually, my younger brother then as well, so that'd be four people to have. And your your was it an older and a younger brother? Yeah. Are they do they compete or are they into fitness at all? Are your parents you know gold medalist Olympics Olympians or nothing like that? We would be a sporty family. Like my my younger brother does a lot of high jump in athletics. Okay. And then my older brother would be big into his fitness. Like he'd been as fit as I would probably. Right. And then, yeah, my parents wouldn't have, would have played sport, like my dad would have played for Calvin and stuff. But um, nothing, nobody, I'm the only one who's done something crazy like this. Right, Or yeah, even yeah. close to it, like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you have an Ironman coming up. A friend of mine, Dave Webster, a uh, friend and past guest of the show, he did a half Ironman there a year or two ago. And I went up to him, I went up just to support him, like whatever. And... He was telling me that when he finished, he delighted with himself, obviously. Uh, great achievement. Got his medal and the whole lot. And he was just packing up. He was going off to collect his bike and the other few bits and pieces. And he got chatting to some lad. And that some lad, whoever he was, was cycling home. Because 
the half Ironman to him was just you know a, a training a day's day, yeah. training yeah. in the same way that you're going off and doing an Ironman like doing an Ironman to most people is to be all and end all yeah. but not even it's above and beyond anything yeah. that they could ever hope to achieve and you're doing one of them in a couple of weeks as part of your training for this thing later in the <laughs> yeah, year yeah. Like, is there it, many other races or there's also a so I'm doing I think it's 15th of July so that's about six weeks before the double Ironman is the normal Ironman in Bolton in England and then a week after that just a 24 hour cycling race in Athai, in Athai that I'm going to do so that'll be a good marker of kind of where I'm at because I'll do I'll be doing that a week after the Ironman because two years ago when I'd done the Ironman I wasn't fit to walk for a week afterwards I was really fucked afterwards um, so the idea is this year to do the Ironman a good bit quicker than last year than two years ago and to be able to to be fairly okay afterwards not to yeah. be as broken down as I was because I'm going to need to do two of them back to back um, uh, in August so that's it'll, it'll be a good marker for I'm at essentially and what was your time in the Ironman and what are you hoping to beat it by or? so two years ago I'd done it in f- just over 15 and a half hours Okay. and uh, I was absolutely broken afterwards because I had that was July and the previous September was when I was teaching myself how to swim with no endurance space at all so I kind of most people would do triathlons for a year probably two years before they'd ever move, think about moving up to Ironman but I just kind of completely jumped into the deep end <laughs> yeah just because I just same with the double just because I wanted to do the Ironman was nearly the goal rather than the triathlon in some ways yeah, yeah. and once I kind of got the hang of swimming I was like oh, hold on a minute I'd be, once I could kind of confident I could swim four, four kilometers I was like sure I'd probably I know I can do the swim now and I knew, always knew I could do the cycle and the run it'd be just a matter of finishing them um, so I just signed up for both and then way before I should have probably and training went I never got injured and training went as well as I could have and I'd done the race and I was still I was just broken afterwards it was like the, and the, the longest thing I'd ever done before that was a Olympic distance triathlon so this is the four times the distance that was four times the distance of Anton I'd done before and it was like the first marathon I'd done that was the first marathon I'd done as well so it was after was in uh, was in the Ironman itself like. ah sure yeah, as you do so, yeah. Yeah, so why like, not um, I had to swim I struggled through I had to swim was fine I struggled through all the bike I ran about the first half of the marathon and I kind of walked shuffled the rest of it but uh, when I finished my parents and my younger brother went over to, to support me and when I finished um, I was there with them and dad had a car parked in a car park just up a hill not even a steep hill or a long hill or anything and I just said dad I'm not going to be able to walk up that <laughs> <laughs> so he had to walk up he had to get the car drive down and he opened the door for me and I couldn't bend down to get into the car he had to get out and he had to lift me into the car like yeah. and then we got out to the hotel that we were staying in and then he did the same thing he had to just lift me out of the car I kind of just put my arm around, around him and he had to hoist me up out of the car and we sat down in the restaurant then. This is late at night because I finished, because it started at six in the morning. I'm sure it took me 15 and a half hours. So I finished at like eight or nine that night. And by the time we got back to the hotel, it was probably half nine. And we just, or, I just ordered food then. I just got a burger and chips. And I went to bite into the burger and I got lockjaw because just every single muscle in my body was just, <laughs> was just gone. Like I even got lockjaw and I couldn't eat the burger then. And my mouth was open for... <laughs> half the time of it <laughs> and then I couldn't it took me so long to, 
to get my tri suit off me up in the room and even to to get undressed and into the shower it took a process of about like 15 minutes I'd say because it just everything was just so stiff and was it, just was it up. worse the next day and then worse again the day after it took or? me a week before I could walk properly I was just moving so slowly like and it was funny enough in the hotel afterwards the hotel was basically full of other Ironman athletes and it was all the young people who were fucked all the, like, the people in their 20s my age and early 30s and the older people like in their 40s late 30s mid 40s early 50s were all walking around fine because they'd be doing them for years like yeah. But a lot of people who do the first one, especially if you do like me and you kind of jump into it a bit before you should, you just get <laughs> fucked afterwards. Like. And you said you're in your 20s. What age are you? I'm 26 now. 26, okay. Yeah. It tends to be, at least from, from my perspective, I'm kind of a bit out of the loop, but it tends to be a kind of an older person's game, the, the ultra anything. Yeah, it's interesting, absolutely. Like the um, average age of... Like, I'm the youngest person. There's 30 competitors in Lithuania. I'm pretty sure I'm the youngest person. And probably by, a, by a while. I think just one other lad in his 20s and then the rest are in their 30s or 40s or even 50s. Like, yeah. It it's really is an old person's game, um, which is interesting. I suppose all other sports where people do it's it the in their reverse. 20s. Yeah. That's the, the, it's interesting. The really, the really cool thing about that for me is I can, it's still on my horizon to kind of do it because I've always been yeah. into me fitness do you know like I know yeah. it and I will be not particularly fit now because this year it's just been insane with work but um, I played football and hurling and rugby and uh, martial arts and running and swimming and cycling a bit of triathlon the, the whole lot Like, but I love the idea that I'm not past peaking in ultra anything do you know that kind of yeah. way because as you say for, for most things like if I wanted to get into playing soccer I'm going to be the oldest and slowest person yeah, on the pitch, yeah. so it's not exactly on my horizon to kind of get into, but on the endurance side of things, it's kind of cool. Women seem to be doing, maybe not in the the triathlons, I don't know, but in the ultra running, women seem to be uh, outperforming the men. Is there any? Is there many or any women entering the, the double, do you know? That's an interesting point you brought up, because actually with ultra races, from what I've heard, there's basically no difference between women and men. The women can just as well as the men um, I think that's because there's the mental side of it accounts for so so much that the physical part of it it's probably in a race like this it's probably 80-90% mental because you're just the out re- there for the so long in your head <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah but you just have to keep going like when you're just and when you're dealing with sleep deprivation and everything you just have to keep going Um so women I perform just as well as men. Not many, not as many of them do it. Only yes. about ten percent of the of the athletes who enter it are ever women. At most, maybe maybe less, even five percent. Um, there's thirty in the race in Lithuania. I think there's five or six women, which is a lot. Like yeah. for thirty, sometimes you get thirty, and you get you'd be lucky to get one woman. But you see, I think um, I think it works like that. So in uh, let's say if it's if it's marathons. Just a straight up marathon. It's fifty fifty, just for argument's sake. Yeah. But then when it goes to you know a double marathon, it's you know uh, seventy no sixty forty men to women. But yeah. then as as it goes up and up and up, I think women catch up and overtake the men. Yeah. Do you know like I know? Um, which is it's yeah. kind of great to see because it's such a rare thing. Like even in like I've mentioned it on the podcast before, there's women's snooker. And you kind of wonder. Oh, I never, never even knew that was a thing. Like, yeah. But there you go. And then you, obviously it is. Like, but yeah, I would. But and like whatever yeah. about tennis, because tennis yeah, is, you know, it's, it's a 
you couldn't have a mixed thing there because yeah. you're against each other when you're racing in what you're doing. You're not really racing. It's it's against yourself, yeah. isn't it? Like you're, yeah, you're racing against it's yourself. Like, it's interesting as well. Like if you look at because I did sports science and health in college, and this came up in one of the modules. If you're looking at the Olympics or just say running races from everything from the shortest, so like 100 meters, all the way up to ultramarathons, 100 mile ultramarathons. The biggest difference, the biggest gap is in the 100 metres and 200 metres. And the gap starts getting smaller and smaller the longer you go. Up to Martin, where in Paul Radcliffe's time like is it's like not far behind the top men's times at all, I don't yes. think, her world record time. And then when you move into like the ultramarathons, again, just very business. Often you get women who win, who win the races, yeah. including the men. Um, so that's interesting that like just the shorter you go, it's the bigger the difference between men and women and then the longer you go the gap just keeps closing and closing yeah, yeah. almost non-existent then when you get into the really really long distances are you familiar with Courtney DeWalter yes I heard of her on the I heard her podcast with Joe Rogan yes that's how yeah, I know her yeah, yeah. yeah that crazy was bitch <laughs> yeah, she won by a day or something yeah it was 20 hours I think yeah. 20 hours she won by the, like, the Moab was at 300 and something miles 300 mile race and second yeah. place was yeah 20, 20 hours, hours behind, behind her, like, them. Because yeah. remember Rogan saying that, like Rogan just thought that was hilarious because it is. But imagine, you know, you're you're coming up to the finish line. You no, no, you finish. Yeah. You go home. You know, you get you know eight hours kip. Then you get up and you go to work. Then you have a meal <laughs> and then you go to greet second place. Like, <laughs> you're like, you, I wait, know, you wait a few well, hours. Well, well done, lad. Like, you know? <laughs> but it's but funny because he asked her as well, like you know how how close she monitored her diet like was yeah. she you know looking at her micro and macronutrients and getting her blood work done yeah. and whatever else and she was kind of like the same as yourself uh, not really no just like you know whenever, just yeah. get getting it into you like uh, there's another there's a uh, documentary on Netflix I can't think of the name but, but it's a, again it's about a, a female ultra runner and the point that she made in relation to nutrition was she would eat relatively clean because she's an endurance athlete obviously enough but she was saying that she would often have, you know, I know, fish and chips and a can of Coke at one of the stages throughout the race because she's eating what she wants to eat and her body knows kind of what it wants. Yeah. And I'd have the same thing to say to her as Rogan had to say to your one Courtney DeWalter. On one hand, you're saying, no, 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 you need to be looking at the, the nutrients yeah. and you need to get everything right so you, you need to have enough. But then kind of catch yourself saying... You're running three hundred mile races and winning by twenty hours. Who am I to tell yeah, you to? Exactly. You're doing it wrong, like you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's an interesting point, diet, especially with these ultra races, because there's so much debate as to whether you do it the courtly doll all the way, just eat everything and anything because you're burning so much calories, you're just going to burn it off anyway. But then it's like, well, why not just eat all those calories, but eat eat nutritious foods and just get good calories in. Because there was, there was an Irish lad recently, his name's Graham Prendergast, who won a DECA Ironman race over in England, which is 10 Ironmans in 10 days. Yes. Crazy, crazy race. And he done it all, I think, on plant foods. He just ate, like, plants like broccoli, carrots, spinach, really nutritious foods is all he ate. And then he won it by a lot. So you're looking at him, and then you're looking at Courtney Dovalter. you got yeah. two both sides winning. So it definitely makes sense. It obviously makes sense that like just eating, a, having a good diet, is better. 
but then you're like is it how much better is it if you're just burning everything off anyway but you see I suppose it, it yeah. depends on your own physiology and that's yeah that's true that's, that's kind of what came to mind when you were looking for a double Ironman training plan and now you have one like is that is that the training plan like let's say your man who wrote that is you know five foot four yeah do you know the kind of way yeah. is that really the plan that you, you're six foot well, easy are you like do you know yeah. the kind of way yeah well your man said I've actually emailed your man over and back a few times um, and like I said like everybody I've gotten contact with has just been mad to help which is great yeah, yeah. because probably just because the, the loop is so small and there's so few people doing it that when somebody attempts one everyone just has we, to we've got another little take grab, grab hold of him <laughs> like, as tight as he don't can don't let him go yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and he did say that <clears throat> he did say that the plan was for kind of intended for people who had been doing endurance races for who'd been doing maybe say like Ironmans for four or five years and had gotten good at them. Um, so whereas I was working off basically no base, so he said like if I can just manage eighteen hours a week, it'd be enough. So that was nice to hear that because that's all I've been able to manage at the moment. Just, but, just, just yeah. AD. So like it's it's all. every plan is different for for every athlete. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just it's gas to hear you kind of <laughs> you know fucking eighteen. Okay, eighteen will do. Like so you're like it's funny way. actually. Yeah, because I that's become normal now to me. And I remember when I started training for the Ironman. If I had the first time I'd done like a hundred k cycle, I was like, oh, that's that's incredible. I've done a hundred k cycle. Like that's delighted fucking great. Yourself. Yeah, delighted. And now. I do 100k, I come home and I'm like, oh, fuck's sake, I was supposed to do 150k today, I've only got a, only got 100 done, I need to start doing more, and you feel like you haven't, you feel like you've done nothing, yeah, after yeah. doing 100k, like. There's something yeah. interesting there, there's something, I don't know what it is, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it's, ultra, ultra competitors call them, like yourself, and the likes of Graham Mack and, and different guys, there's that, what am I trying to say? I met a guy recently. He actually only passed away in the last couple of months. Um, he was Ireland's one of Ireland's richest men, a billionaire, Pierce Lyons. Uh, I, I met him at this. It was like an entrepreneurial thing that he he hosted for people with startup businesses and you know looking forward and all the rest of it. And he was saying that the life of an entrepreneur is the life of dissatisfaction. You you go around and you're 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 unhappy with everything. And we were in his brand new distillery in uh, Smithfield. You want to see this place? He bought uh, an old church in the city centre that was in ruins. Did it up, restored it to its pristine condition, and put two big copper pot stills literally on the altar. So when you walk in, you've got this huge big uh, brass or copper pot stills on the altar with the stained glass windows and all the, the exposed timber in the rafters and it's just it's f- unbelievable and he was saying that he is you know a thousand people a day coming in as it's it's tourism as well as a, a distillery but he's unhappy with the thousand people he wants 1500 and when he gets to 1500 he'll want 2000 and when, you know and so yeah, on and so forth it's a vicious forth. cycle isn't it and there's something about that with endurance people like you know yeah. they, they they do a 5k run but you know, there's 10k runs, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you know, hop, skip, and jump a wet week, and you're looking at double fucking Ironmen over in Lithuania. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's there's yeah. something there's something really cool about that kind of. Yeah. And is it a self-flagellatory thing? Like, is it is it is there an element of hating yourself involved in it? Do you know that nothing's kind of good enough? Like, what's after the double? Do you think? 
because you're not going to, you know, hang up your hang up your boots and your bike and your wetsuit when that's finished. No, definitely not. But um, have you something in mind? Yeah. Well, basically, how, how I got on into all this to give you the long story of it because a lot of people since I started telling people I started training for it in October but I didn't start telling people till about February that I was doing it um, people kind of copped on to doing a lot of training and they're asking me like this is like a little bit more than you're doing for the Ironman is it not and I was like oh, I'm just doing a bit more training but I eventually started telling people then in about February because I didn't want to say it and not be able to do the training and then not do it not, not enter it or something yeah. I wanted to be sure I was going to do it before I started saying, telling people so when I started telling people about it, people kept asking me why, which is a fair question as well. So I kind of had to, I didn't even have an answer for it. So I kind of had to really think myself, what, what has gotten me into doing this? Philosophically, like, you know. Kind of go deep, philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> to try and find out, yeah, sort of why is it I'm actually, what got me to do it in the first place? It just comes back to when I first heard about these events. Um, there's a guy called Jerry Duffy. Have you ever heard of him? Can't say I have. He's oh, from motivational. He's a motivation speaker, yeah. Yeah, I'm connected with him on LinkedIn, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a motivation speaker and he has brought a few books out. And my mum bought me a book before called Who Dares Runs. And he, it was about him and some other lad who ran 32 marathons in 32 consecutive days around Ireland. And he was just talking about his own life story and what got him into it. And in it, he included a double Ironman. And I just remember thinking, like, because I was just being interested in triathlons a few months then, and that was the first day I ever heard of a double Ironman. And I remember just thinking, that's the most incredible thing ever that somebody can, that somebody can do this. I would have thought it would have been physiologically impossible um, before I knew people had completed it. And he was just talking about that race. And then a year later, he brought in another book uh, called TikTok Ten about him doing a Deca Ironman. So he did ten consecutive Ironmans in ten days. He won it by 19 hours, similar to your one again. And he just, I was just so, and the other people he had in his book, about the other people who finished it as well, he gave kind of insights to them as well. And I just remember just having so much respect for people who had finished these races and just being so impressed by it and so inspired by it. That, and this was maybe six, seven years ago. And then over time, I always thought maybe subconsciously that I'd like to do one someday. And then eventually I just, last summer I just got down and said, listen, I'll just sign up for one and do it. Even though it's probably before, even probably should do a few more years of training for it. I'll just go down and do it. Just because I want to be like, those people have so much respect, I have so much respect for for finishing them. I just want to become up to their level myself, bring myself up to their level. So yeah, after the double, like I want to do... If I finish the double, I'll go on. I hope to do a triple the next year, <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> and then I love. You do. Uh, so I'd love to. I kind of have in my head that I just want to do all this crazy <laughs> shit. Like. <laughs> and like, where 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 does it end? Because I mean, Jesus, at twenty, what you say, you are six. Twenty six, yeah. Like you haven't even hit your. Never mind your prime. You haven't really gotten started, and you're doing you know a fucking double Ironman in a wet. Yeah, yeah, that's what has me excited about that. I'm one of the youngest who started it because. Most people who kind of do them are in their thirties and forties, and they talk about how much it's improved their life just through facing that adversity, I suppose, through training and through the races themselves. Yeah, and adversity, side. yeah, adversity, yeah. exactly that. Like to just have become more successful at life and a business. So that's why I'm like, if I get started this early, and I get ten good years, and I'm in my mid thirties, and I've achieved loads of this shit, like 
the only way is up from there, I suppose. Fucking right, it is. Yeah. I like to just even to phrase it like that. Like in ten years' time, you'll be in your mid thirties. Like yeah, that's yeah. class. Like to, to me, I'm thirty four. Like I'm just, yeah. I, I wish I don't know. Not to, I, I don't like I don't like regret, but I would have wasted a lot in my twenties drinking ahead of yeah. myself and just you know. Just not really, yeah. not really going after life the way I have done in more recent years, and the way you obviously yeah. are now. Like, uh, and I think it's a wake up call for a lot of people that might be listening. A couple of things: one, to not be wasting your life watching fucking telly or whatever it yeah. is. And I suppose an important thing is you don't have to be doing double Ironman over no, Lithuania. No, not at like all. Just no. cha- once you're challenging yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I mean, Des were talking about this as well. Like, um. He was. He brought up the thing that I'd be doing an Ironman to to train for it, um, to train for my double Ironman, and that like how demeaning would that be to talk to somebody afterwards who's finished an Ironman to find out that I was training for it? Yes. But me and Dad's both saying like that, that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like more fair play to the person who's trained for it and who finishes it in sixteen hours fifty nine minutes, just under the cutoff, than the guy who who wins it, or even just like uh, more power to. A woman who finishes a 5k if she'd been overweight and had trained for two years for it. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the achievement, the achievement's just, just as good, like, you know. But see, that's it's what, all relative, like. Th- that's what I love about it is it's you're, you're, you're competing against yourself. Yeah. You're competing against who, you know, a past version of yourself. That's yeah. the really cool thing. And what I think drew me to uh, martial arts and fighting was with the team sports that I had played for over a decade previous, you didn't win because you know, the forwards didn't perform or midfield yeah. didn't do its job or the goalie let in something or, you know, some lad got sent off and you were down. There was all these excuses, basically. Um, or, the, you know, the, the other team got in a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. And, uh, all this bullshit, like. But with fighting, it's it's all on you. you, you have yeah. your training partners and that, obviously, yeah. but it's, it's all on you and it's all on that past kind of version of yourself. And there's something similar there with the with the with the athletics basically or the triathlons yeah. or whatever way you want to you want to phrase it and I remember when, like, when I finished my first marathon it was in like, 4 hours and 25 minutes or something that was a hell of a lot harder for me to do than somebody who had ran it in like 3 minutes, three hours and 20 Yeah, you know depending on your level of fitness like, and as you say someone who's done a 5k that could barely jog 20 feet yeah. the, the previous year like um, there's something really cool about that can you do this professionally? Like you, you obviously would if you could. Is there is there money in it? Is there or what way does that even work? There's, is, there is there prize money for winning this? There is actually, finishing it. There is actually, no, it's no prize money for finishing it. There's prize money for the first five places, I think, but nothing big. And nobody would really ever do it for the prize money. Um, I won't be close to finishing it now. There'll be like just lads who can do it in twenty four hours. I said I'd be best case scenario. I'll probably be finishing between 32 and 34 hours just under the cutoff I reckon um, but even the guys even the guys who'd be winning it wouldn't do it professionally I don't think there's really any professionals who do it um, and is it a, is it a is it a is it, an, is it an elitist sport not not to you know I don't mean to disparage you or anyone yeah. else that does it but I mean presumably there's an element of that in it I mean if, if there's no money in doing it yeah, and it's not you know, 20 really, odd hours training a week from what I've heard it's a big big family kind of community involved with it as I said like any people I've it's my first one and anybody I've the four people I've reached out to have been just extremely helpful just genuinely want to 
help you out and yeah, yeah, give you help a you out with your training and see, 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 see if you're able to finish it. Um, I wouldn't say this is elitist, really, no. Um, that you were, you were saying is there any professionals? There's no real professionals, but then a lot of people like Jerry Duffy, when he when he's finished a few of them, write a book. Yes. Because it's so interesting and he's kind of become, he's a motivational speaker now and he kind of uses a lot of what he's achieved through endurance races into his talks and it's what's made him so successful, yeah. kind of. So people have gained success through it, but it's not through prize money or sponsorship. It's just kind of, it's through that route, kind of. I was just going to ask yeah. you about the sponsorship. Is Are any of the, the athletes sponsored or is that is there an element of that? Not to my knowledge. I don't think so. It's kind of, no. I reckon it's, uh, See, it's coming is it it's hard to say because the racers are like not well known like if you sponsor someone and have it up in their logo like these races aren't on TV and nobody even knows about them as I said that's triathlon coach and a lot of triathlon coaches these are triathlon coaches don't yeah, even yeah. know that these races <laughs> exist like yeah and so, you so, forget so, about that yeah like. and like that's I was kind of surprised and then I was like yeah but so nobody so few people actually do know about them because Iron Man has turned into such a huge brand and you see it on YouTube videos and you know it, 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 it's people get the tattoos and the brand is everywhere on bags and stuff so Iron Man has become a thing people have heard about or found out about over the last 5-10 years but and everyone thinks that that's everyone presumes that's the longest you can go in terms of triathlon because it's 17 hour cut off and it's basically a full day so nobody thinks there's anything beyond that <laughs> <laughs> never mind double it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um, yeah a lot of people don't know it exists so like what would be the point in anyone sponsoring you if nobody's going to know about the race like yeah yeah of course um, on the, the whole sleep deprivation and yeah. things because it's you're hoping to finish it in like 32 hours or something yeah like most people can't stay awake for 32 hours yeah, yeah. No, most people can't watch telly for 32 hours yeah. never mind anything else like but is that in the training yeah it is actually it um, has to be sure. Yeah. So the I lad, that's nearly the fourth. Yeah. Like if if there's if there's three, you know, bike, run, swim. Yeah. The sleep sleep deprivation is nearly the fourth. Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't done anything. I haven't done any work on it yet. But it's in your man's twenty week plan, and he even in one of his emails he pointed out again just how important it was, and he said that I'm going to have to once every two weeks maybe. Um, and try and get it done at least seven or eight times before the race where I get on my bike at 11pm or midnight and cycle for six or seven hours the whole way through the middle of the night um, and come home and stay awake the next day to practice dealing with sleep deprivation. Yes. Don't even go to bed just because, again, yeah, it's 34 hours. And people who've done the race before, if you never practice dealing with that, it's almost, it's extremely difficult. It just adds on the difficulty to finish it because you'll just start the urge to fall asleep will become too great so you, uh, but if you practice it apparently it's, it does become easier um, I haven't done it yet now but yeah that's in the plan where I have to just do five or six overnight cycles um, to practice dealing with it and again in relation to the kind of the, the length of time it's going to take you is there temperature fluctuations like how cold is it going to get at night what time does it start it so what, what part of it will be at night in darkness say it starts, last year started at 2pm, but I think this year is starting at 10am, which is a nice time for it to start, because you kind of want night time to fall when you've already got a lot of it done, basically. Um, so, yeah, it'll be, I think the temperature will be, in Lithuania in August, will be around the high 20s, low 30s. At night time, I don't know what it falls to at night time, but... 
don't think it'll get too cold. How quick or how much longer? No, sorry. When will you go to Lithuania? Like the presumably you I, won't get off the plane and you know head to yeah, the starting line. Yeah, I email because I was wondering should I go like four or five days beforehand? Yeah, yeah, to kind of climate. Kind of, it's tw- yeah. high twenties, early thirties. But I just emailed the race director to to ask him his advice, and he just suggested a day before and to book the flights for a day before and to, and to go home a day after and then I was like that suits me fine like because it'll be cheaper essentially um, yeah yeah of course and just for hotels and everything and then I'd just be able to continue my plan right up until the last minute as well before I go over because when you go over even though I could train over there it just it could be a lot more awkward if I arrive a week early over there staying in a hotel it could be awkward training in some ways like because um, we just could be dealing with jet lag different diet and things like that so it could be just a little bit yeah. more awkward getting training in. I'd rather just train here until the last minute and then go off you'd want a day there obviously like I have and then start to race whenever and in relation to training like do you take a week off like I'm, I know it, when I was in, yeah. in the run up to a fight you wouldn't do a whole pile of training in the in the yeah. week before the fight so. yeah you, you taper for two weeks so okay. for like any triathlon you'll taper for a week or even an Ironman you'll taper for a week some people might taper for two for two weeks so taper is just about a 60% reduction in your training load um, so my 23 hour week on week 18 of the plan will turn into maybe a seven, 8 hour week on week 19 and a 5, 6 hour week on week 20 um, so yeah it'll be just two very easy weeks before the race itself Okay, and is there a, a carb loading element, or, or what way does that work? Yeah, there is. Again, for the for the Ironmans, there is. You just try and eat as much carbs you can in like the twenty four hours or so before the race. But again, with a double Ironman, just between just so so little information on it, I don't know any specifics that you should do for a double Ironman. Like there was, no, I was lucky enough to get the plan, and with that, there's just no nutrition on it at all. So. Um, yeah, I have no idea, but I presume I'll just keep it as similar as I can to like something like an Ironman race. Yeah, where yeah. I'll just carb load and everything else. And how closely are you monitoring, or are you, you know, your your heart rate or your blood yeah. work or or anything like that? Because you, what you're a qualified PE teacher, so presumably yeah. you have is it a, a degree in sports science? Sports science in DCU. Yeah, that's my degree. So okay. I have a fair idea of uh, stuff of everything in a physiological sense there. but do you pass I, I know you obviously understand it because you have a yeah. degree in it but do you do you use any of it only recently actually um, all through my Ironman I just didn't monitor anything really um, I just monitor time and distance of course because like yeah. most people who do these things don't Especially have a degree when I was just, yeah. like. and when I was starting out I was just like oh whatever but recently what I'm wearing here now I bought this Garmin watch which is great it's one of the newer ones which is absolutely brilliant it's, it works underwater so like when I'm swimming 100 lengths, it can pick up my the strokes I do per the lane, the time I'm doing, my heart rate. Uh, same with my cycles, it can it monitors my my heart rate during my cycles and during my sleep and everything. And if your heart rate goes too high, say during sleep, the watch will notify you saying you need to like you should take two days of training and everything like that. It's amazing. And so it'll tell you that you should take. It advise you on what training you should take based on, on to what rest you should take based on what training you've done. Okay. And it's nearly all monitored by heart rate. So like, 
when I'm doing, I mentioned intensity there to you before, everything that what I'm doing at the moment is nearly all low intensity. Because you have to get so much volume in that if I go to higher intensity, I'll be too fucked the next day and then I won't get my three or four hours yeah, in the next day. So you kind of, yeah. it's all low intensity and just trying to get the, the hours in. As opposed to most other sports where quality is more important than quantity, this is kind of quantity is nearly more, is more important than quality. You kind of just have to get the hours in like a trainer. Yes. Um, so I'm using what's called training zones, if you've ever heard of them. Yeah, yeah. There's zone one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. So I nearly do everything in zone one or two. And okay. I wear the watch to make sure I'm in zone one or two, which is between 55 and 75% of my max heart rate. Yes. And if I start going above that for too long, I just need to tone it back a bit and just keep keep in those training zones. And does that is that maintained, those low training zones, is that maintained up until the end or is there, do you up it? No, I, the, the intensity level, yeah, it'll stay low more or less towards the end. There's some days where, like in a three-hour cycle, on his plan, the first hour is at zone one and then you do three by 15 minutes at zone three with seven minutes recovery back at zone one and then when that hour is finished of jumping up and back you just do another hour at zone one again so okay. he's got a little bit of that and incorporates it, it little, which just yeah. mixes it up a bit and just gives your works works out your body a little bit differently which is good as well because it's funny because I know myself I've brought uh, friends of mine out running with me before who wouldn't really have been into the running and what they would have said originally was oh no I won't be able to keep up with you not that I'm a super fast runner by any means but when I'm running every day you're obviously that bit more advanced than your, your average yeah. guy like. and what I found is running at somebody else's pace even if it's much slower than yours is harder because you're just not I want to get going yeah I want to I I yeah. hit my, my my stride and when you're pulling back it can be fucking painful do you, do you find that or yeah definitely there was when I was training for a marathon there I done a marathon in February in Dubai Um, I done that in the same month as a half Ironman so that was another good I kind of used them as trainings but I was training with another lad who was doing it and we do I just train we train we tried to train together as much as we could because just it was less boring essentially but we do uh, if we're doing a two hour run say for example he'd be going maybe two kilometers a kilometer an hour slower than I would or two kilometers an hour slower than I would his pace and I would find other muscles start to get stiff then even. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. actually, yeah, as you said, found it harder. Like, my calves start getting uh, stiffer just from changing my stride length to what I'm used to. And earlier, you're feeling like you're getting more tired in some sense, going slower. Because uh, when I when I ran with him, and you're kind of just hoping, as you said, yeah, just to get going and get into your stride. Um, so that's that's definitely a bit of it. Um, but, yeah, with me on the bike, it, it's a lot of it's just frustration. Like, when you're going, when I have to go so slow in five, six-hour cycles, sometimes you just want to get going. Yeah, so it is frustrating sometimes, and it's just more monotonous to just kind of go slow the whole time and not change anything than anything else as well. But it's presumably very important for the actual race itself that you can maintain it at a low keep intensity like, and just oh, keep absolutely, going yeah. and going and going. Uh, you have to be really careful to pace it, really careful, and um, that's why I'll definitely wear the watch. Like, still have to monitor my heart rate because if I go even two kilometers an hour on the bike too quick i could be feeling fine for eight nine hours on the bike but then like all that will have just built up and i'll just be all of a sudden i'll just be fucked and i'll have another 150 200 kilometers to do when i'm fucked so yeah you have to be 
really careful to pace yourself in something like this. Really, really careful. And what's the longest race that you'll do? Because everything you do between now and yeah. then is effectively training. Everything you eat and drink yeah. is effectively part of your diet for this one race. So what's the longest race or the toughest race that you'll do before. between now and then before it? Yeah. Probably that 24-hour cycle in Asai. Okay, right, yeah, yeah okay. Um, and in relation to the to a triathlon, though, so specifically, essentially what you're going to be doing, yeah. will you... Is, is there st- there's probably not such a thing as like an Ironman and a half. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it just goes from Ironman to double. Yeah, yeah the Ironman will be the longest triathlon I do before And that. will you do an Ironman and a half, you know, yourself? Like, or oh, right, no. No, the, even in training, like the Ironman will take me, the first one they did took me 15 and a half hours. Like I'm not, even though I'm doing a double, I'm not kind of good or fast at these by any means. Because um, like the winners can do an Ironman in less than nine hours. But I'd be hoping this year to knock two hours off my time two years ago to get it in like under 14 hours, around 13 and a half hours. And with that, that'll be, if you if I take that as a training day, that'll be 13 and a half hours of training. My longest ever training in one go will probably be a nine hour cycle or maybe a 10 hour cycle. That'll be the longest I'll do. So the, the Ironman race itself and that 24 hour cycling race, they'll be by far the two longest things right. I'll have done yeah, the longest yeah. path from that will, will honestly just be like a 9-10 hour cycle so the race itself like you're going from your longest training day being 9-10 hours to a 34 hour race all at once is obviously a massive jump up but like there's not there's not much else you can do about it like you kind of you can't if, if I was to train to try and do a 20 hour training session or something I'd probably kind of have to rest for 3-4 days it just wouldn't be in keeping with the plan. I know what you mean. Yeah, I get, yeah. Well, again, Fran, because so few people do these, there's nobody really knows the best way to do them. Maybe that is the best way to do them. And one of the other people I reached out to was a girl in the States. I just found her on Facebook because I Googled. When I found out I was the only person in my 20s in the race, I think there's two more people in their 20s now who entered recently. But I kind of got a bit worried and I was like, why is there nobody else my age doing these races? <laughs> and I googled what the youngest person to ever do a double Ironman was thinking, well, am I going to be the youngest ever I wonder to finish? And there's a girl, she's called Laura Knobloch from the States, who done one when she was 20, which is by far the youngest anyone has ever done one. And then she even went on to do a DECA Ironman two years later, last year, when she was 22. Again, by far the youngest person ever to do anything like that. And so I found her on Facebook and I just messaged her. And yeah, she got back to me um, and she's given me loads of advice. But her training is, the way she went about her training was completely different than anything else I've heard. And she had got no advice from anybody. And she was in college at the time and she was busy in college Monday to Friday. So her training for her double Ironman was, she started training six, seven months before the race. She'd do an all-day cycle and run so she'd do a 10 hour cycle and a 4 or 5 hour run every Saturday and try and then basically do that every week moving up to so she kind of just one training one training session a week but she was doing like 16 or 17 hours in that one day yeah yeah um, so she was still getting the same hours I'm doing but she was just doing it all in one day all day together she was doing something close to an Ironman every week then just as a training session and she said that that she didn't advise it for me to do but she says for me to try I should try and at least do a few of them because she reckons they really helped because they were kind of simulating race day in a certain sense yeah, tr- yeah. training to do what it was that you yeah. were looking to do but she, she, she was she was just too busy she said Monday to Friday she was so busy in college um, that that was her way of going around things but it, I think that was really interesting because that's 
so different than anything I've ever heard of before in terms of endurance training yeah, for funny. any sport. Like it's funny because in in, in fighting. There's there's a couple of different ways to kind of approach it. Uh, there's loads, but the, a couple of the main ones is some people would say that all their training is essentially uh, sparring. Yeah. This you know you you're, you're training to fight, so you you, you can't fight every day, obviously, because you'll get you'll get injured. But light sparring, you know, all the time because you're training to be a better fighter, so you you know you simulate fight days as best you can. That that's one way of going about it. Another way of looking at it is, you already know how to fight. You're not. You, there's only so good you can get at fighting. So let's get the fitness up. So you have fighters that are going off on long bike rides and or you know going on the watt bike or doing hill repeats or you know they're swimming and they're doing everything and it's just to get their their fitness heart pumping and to get better and th- there's loads of different kind of ways of, of looking at it and it, it always kind of it always kind of changes and then you'll have some guy come along and, and he'll he'll dominate a, a division and everyone will go, ah, he never spars, so you should never spar. And then yeah. the guy that beats him only spars. Do you, do you know that kind yeah, of way? And it's, yeah. it's obviously not as clear cut as I'm making it out like that, but it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool that it's un, it's not that well-trodden territory. Like, And that's in fighting. Yeah. Arguably the oldest sport yeah. of them all. Like, So this, what you're doing is so new... Uh, so it's few just, people have done it yeah like and it, e- even with that like I said her training was so different than everybody else's everybody's training has kind of been a bit a bit different that I've come across or blogs I've read yeah yeah everybody's you have to make it your stuff, own like. yeah. but again like what I said to you earlier if your man's training plan worked for him and you're thinking of kind of going down that road yeah. and he's four foot eleven and you're yeah. you know, six foot two and he's done six years of training before <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly like, yeah, yeah yeah and like, you know where, where was he from was he he's American okay so right, you know yeah. he could be he could be living at a much higher altitude exactly, or a different yeah. diet or, yeah. or whatever but there, there's something there's something really cool in the untrodden Terror, territory yeah, yeah. aspect of it it's like. the adventure side of it like big time yeah. just in relation to like the adventure of it, are you are you an adrenaline junkie or are you uh, like how I put it this way if somebody's listening to this right yeah who went to school with you in secondary school so they haven't seen or heard of you in uh, whatever it is eight years yeah and they don't know really what the train that you've been doing and they don't know that you're into your fitness and all the rest of it would they be sitting here listening going I knew that lad he'd end up doing something mad like that or would it be God? I never would have put him down. Like, you know, like, is there anything in your personality that lends you towards being a mad bastard? Basically, no. It's everybody would be very surprised. <laughs> really? If, yeah. If they didn't hear before that I was doing something like this, especially people in secondary school, because this newfound motivation I have to do these things is kind of only recent enough. Um, the last two three years. Well, it's always been there, but it's kind of come to the fore the last couple of years where I started doing something about it. But yeah, they, would, they, would, they wouldn't be extremely surprised because I've always done my sport and I would have always been fitter than average like um, when I was playing Gaelic football and stuff. So it wouldn't be like a surprise as you'd be as someone who never played sport maybe. But yeah, they would be surprised because I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have done anything crazy before. Yeah, really. um, would there be telltale signs even for you in retrospect? Like when you were looking back as a as a kid, you know, did you cry yourself to sleep if you didn't win the race? Not you, at all. You know no, kind of way, I like, would or, have never guessed. If I was told at fifteen or sixteen that I'd one day be doing something like this, I'd be like, "What the fuck have I gone into?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be like, "What have I lost my mind or something?" And you, you, um, well, you clearly have. That's you know, that's not even up for debate. Like fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, 
you said that you only had the kind of the motivation to do it in the last couple of years. Was there a catalyst for that? Like, did you have a near well, death experience or you know no, something or anything? Or? It's kind of just developed over a long period of time. Like, I used to when I used to just go on YouTube, like everybody does in college, um, and most people watch funny cat videos or something. Yeah, or people just put on songs. I used to love motivational videos because there's some good ones on YouTube, and we've got like. Hans Zimmer soundtrack playing in the background and Rocky comes no on and all it. these quotes no I used to love that but then and you, you'd finish watching it a t- 15 minutes montage somebody's made <laughs> and you're like oh yes I'm going to do this and this and this and that was me for, like all through college but then of course it goes after like the next morning you wake up at 2pm and you turn friends straight on and that's you for the day like <laughs> But I eventually, I, I still like, I never kind of lost the love for them. I used to always watch them. And I was like, what's the point of me watching all of these? I'm being so impressed by people who've achieved X and Y. And I never do anything about it myself. And I just eventually just have gotten down and just started writing stuff down that I want to do and going after them, going after it. And can you, would you indulge us in, in what those couple of things that you've done like or that you, it, well this this is the first big one the, the Iron Man would be the other one I would have said would have been just something I really wanted to achieve and laziness used to be what was stopping me from ever getting down to do it um, so that, that would be really it so far just the Iron Man and then the planning to do this would be my next one then and is there is there anyone that you can mention that you find particularly motivating or you know have you yeah. you know heroes or people you look up to oh or? definitely as I said the, the book I read Jerry Duffy um, he's done a double Ironman he's done 30 he ran 32 Martins in 32 consecutive days in the 32 counties around Ireland 5-6 years ago and then he'd almost called a DECA Ironman which is 10 consecutive Ironmans in 10 days and I was reading that book and I was just completely consumed by it, like as he's talking about like twenty people entered that. There was in England in two thousand and twelve, I think. Twenty people entered the race and only three the, finished it. The deck Ireland. Yeah, and these were twenty class athletes who oh, were yeah. entered it, and only three of them finished. And he won it by nineteen hours and a full day essentially. And he was talking about like he started hallucinating, yeah, and everything about sleep deprivation and. He was just getting like the last few days. He was getting not him, but the other two people who finished because he's he's them featured in the book. One lad finished day nine in like twenty three hours, forty five minutes. Had like fifteen minutes, not even to sleep to gather himself and to start again day ten the next day, and he still finished it in like he finished in like five minutes under the cutoff. Then in the end or something. Jesus. So I remember just reading that book, being like, "How can people do this? Like this is just fucking crazy." And being so impressed by it and kind of subconsciously thinking that someday love to do something like that, but never really um, getting myself, never really getting it done at the same time, just getting down to do it. So then, yeah, just recently just said I'll get down to do it. But yeah, him, Jerry Duffy, to answer your question, he'd be the biggest one. I actually met him recently because I emailed him by training advice for this. So I met him recently and um, he, he's a... He's an absolute gent. I went to one of his talks as well. Like he's incredible as a speaker, as a motivational speaker. He doesn't do much endurance stuff anymore. He kind of just speaks he's for different companies. Guy, guy now, he's he about 50 now. Okay, yeah, but again, not that old for maybe no. for that kind of Yeah, and he would have done this 10 years ago when he was 40, so that's kind of normal age for it. But he's like, for anybody who's heard from his talks, they'll just say, or who's read the book, will just know what I'm talking about. Like It's amazing. And another lad's, 
who I find extremely motivating and who I watch all the time on YouTube is David Goggins. Yes. Yes, he's just... The stuff he's done is just crazy. I wouldn't have known about yeah. him again until I was introduced to him by yeah. uh, Rogan, <clears throat> like a lot of people. So can you uh, lay it out for people who uh, Goggins is or why? what's so yeah. special about him? So he's an ex-Navy SEAL and he this lad had a really rough childhood growing up. He grew up in, I forget, he grew up somewhere in America and he was like, there's only like five black families in a town with a population of 10,000 people. like, And it was where the headquarters of the Ku Klux Klan were. Lovely. So he just got yeah he's got racially abused loads when he was younger, um, and he came from an abusive household as well I think, so he just joined the Navy SEALs then and his whole thing is he wanted to become mentally tougher because he realised at sixteen or seventeen like he had no self esteem he had nothing, he was just failing in every part of his life, so he joined the Navy SEALs to become to just get mentally stronger, and then from that he started doing ultra races. And he done. He entered a hundred mile. I think this was mentioned in the Joe Rogan podcast. He done a. He entered his first hundred mile run without ever having done any training, and he finished it. But he finished it in about twenty four hours, and he finished it uh, after he got kidney failure during the race. Oh, and like, yeah, Christ. so he got kidney fa- a mile seventy or something. He got kidney failure, and then he uh, he pissed down blood down his leg and he shot himself this is this is is all in his interviews yeah and then he still got up and he ran 30 miles which is like more than a marathon and yeah like that was he just says he just knew he he was never going to give up and he's done loads of other mad mad crazy stuff as well um that few other people have have achieved like what was the thing about him getting into the Navy SEALs? Was there... What a, oh, he was like, yeah, he was, he was like three stone overweight. And he had to lose it all in like six, seven weeks or something. And he lost it just like that because he just... He just shows you like if you just get down and do it. Like, if you put your mind to it. There's nothing like. that can stop you. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember hearing that story like of... That's kind of what made me enter the double Ironman because I'd done my full distance Ironman. But I was like, right, I'd done it in 15 and a half hours. I'll do Ironmans for three or four years, get my time down to maybe 12 hours, 11 hours, and then I'll do a double. So kind of like five years down the line. But after hearing him on Joe Rogan and hearing him on other interviews on YouTube, that he like done this 100 mile race with no training and still finished it, regardless of what happened to him with pissing blood in the middle of the race and different things. Like I was like, right, if, if he can do it, like why not give it a go myself and I'll just, enter this double Ironman now before I'm ready for it yeah yeah no, there's, yeah. there's something that I've kind of rabbited on a good bit on, on the solo podcast that I've done about uh, this idea that you create your own reality and uh, if you had thought that you couldn't do an Ironman in the neck or if you had thought that you know you were five years out from doing a double Ironman you would have been right yeah. Like if you if you if you yeah. if you said to yourself no I'm, I'm, it'll take me four years to do it it would have taken you four years to do it yeah. but if you said no fucking I'm booking it it's a Lithuanian at the end of next year yeah you he, know here he, you are halfway yeah. through your training front nearly like. that's it and he says that as well he says he knows loads of ultra runners who because he done bad water then this famous hundred and forty mile race through Death, Death Valley in America he done that six weeks after his very first hundred mile run and he says he was talking to people afterwards saying. I'd love to do bad water someday. And he was like, these are people who've run marathons for five or six years. And I was like, what do you mean? You'd love to do it someday. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, yeah. I've done it in six fucking weeks. And he's like, just <laughs> fucking book it. Just sign up for it. He's like, you're, you're never going to be 
ready. Like you're if you th- you're not if you think you're not ready now, there's always going to be a time where you think you're not ready. So just fucking sign up and do it. Like yeah, no, I'd be, yeah. I'd be a big advocate of that mentality yeah. now, absolutely. But and for anything, if it's your if you're thinking of starting a business, if you're thinking of running a five k, yeah, there's never going to be a right anything, time. Just never. fucking go down and do never. it. Never. Now, yeah. granted, there are better times than others, but there's never going to be that yeah. that perfect time. Uh, like even I, I saw when I started this. Uh, this podcast even you know herself was heavily pregnant the yeah. business was doing well but needed a lot of work and, and whatever else and I could have put it off and I could have put it off but as you said yourself like there's never going to be a perfect time so if it's something that you want to do fucking start it yeah and do it do it do it purely if needs be like yeah. you know don't make the cut off time in the race or you know whatever it is but just you know done beats perfect kind of thing yeah exactly um so Goggins, Jerry Duffy, anyone else? Even like because there's people that are listening to this that if, like we're what we're an hour and a half in. Yeah. So if they're if they're sti- if they're still here, they're they're liking it. Do you know that kind of way? So is yeah, there anyone like else anybody. The lad who's crewing for me showed me David Goggins, and if if I never heard of him, I don't know. Would I probably wouldn't have entered the double Iron Man. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It is like just listen to him. It's I just find him amazing. Um, his stuff on YouTube. He's got interviews with different people. And same with Jerry Duffy's stuff. His his book. I'd recommend that for anybody. The TikTok 10, the book on the Deca Ironman. And is that for, you know, are you recommending that for athletic people who are looking to no, compete? No, because he, or? he even knows about athletics. In his book, he's he more so talks about mindset than actually the athletic So it's a, gen- it's a general it's audience for, book. Like, yeah, for like just setting high goals and trying okay. to achieve them. Um, who else then apart from them too? What's your thoughts on McGregor? I don't follow UFC too much. I, I obviously... You can't miss him because he's everywhere over social media. I find him hilarious. Like I love him, <laughs> but I I think he he's a bit of an advocate for. Um, I just recently heard he's a bit of an advocate for what's it called that um, power of the law of attraction type stuff. Okay. Um, I think there's something called a secret. I've never came across it myself, but um, he's okay. a big advocate for that for like really? just vi- visualizing where you'll be in a few years. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, I heard that somewhere. But um, the power I know, of positive yeah, thought. He's something that like that. Yeah. Apparently, he's a big ad- advocate for that. I think. But uh, I, I just find it hilarious. I don't know. I don't follow UFC really. Yeah. I yeah. watch his fights. I'd, ne- I'd never watch anyone else's fights. I just watch his. But I know people love him or hate him. But I find him hilarious. Like no. So the, the reason know. that he sprung to mind was there's a great video. I recommend you and anyone listening look it up. Uh, you'll find it on YouTube. Conor McGregor, sixteen champion or something like that. I find it. But it's basically McGregor when he was sixteen, looking into the camera. And saying, yeah, no, I, I'm. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to be a, a UFC champion. Yeah, and he's just, yeah. and he's saying it, and like you see the, the young, spotty teenage head, and like, <laughs> and he's just so committed, and yeah. it just when you know where he's gotten to since then, you're like, fuck, that to me you now, yeah. just that gets the pile of erection going in the back of your neck, and <laughs> yeah, the hair yeah. standing up, and kind of get couldn't help but get me going at least, like, yeah. Um, but no one else that kind of jumps There's to mind. There's one lad, James Lawrence, as well. He doesn't have much stuff on YouTube. He's got a really good interview with. Did you ever hear of uh, Tom Billu? No. He's got he interviews interesting people on YouTube. Um, it's called Impact Theory, I think is what he calls it. Right. But he's a lad on called James Lawrence, who has done fifty consecutive Ironmans. Because obviously, I just followed the triathlon end of things more so than yeah, yeah, of course. He's done fifty consecutive Ironmans. In fifty states, in fifty days in America. Oh, I heard of him. All right, yeah, I which is just, again something 
I would have thought would have been physiologically impossible. Yeah, yeah. Um, even after I heard about people doing decas, I thought, right, if you can do 10 in 10 days, you couldn't possibly do, maybe you could do, somebody could do 13, maybe. Yeah, but nobody could ever do push. 50. And he was moving <laughs> from state to state. Yes, So he yes. started in Hawaii and he had to fly to Alaska, like an hour of sleep on a plane, start Alaska straight away, fly down to California. I think he only got two or three hours sleep after his first two Ironmans and he's 48 to do in 48 days. <laughs> and he's he, he's got a great interview. It's about an hour long with Tom Billu. If you just Google James Lawrence, Tom Billu, or yeah, James Lawrence yeah. Impact Area, you'll get it and it's a really good interview. Just him talking about that. Um, but yeah, like it's just, he just says it's just all in your head. Like if you just, just keep going one day after, if you don't get injured, you'll, you'll he, he knew he was going to finish. If you just, just, Kept putting one foot in front of the front front of the other. Yeah, left foot, right foot, your body will follow. Essentially, yeah. Before I forget, you're looking for sponsorship for the double. It's a aid of a of a cause of yours. Yeah. So I went to with a group of my friends. I travelled to Uganda in July to volunteer with a primary school slash orphanage. It's a primary school, but kids sleep in it, so it's a primary school and orphanage all in one, <coughs> and. We spent three weeks there just teaching a little bit with the kids and just having my, we brought over like some stuff from our school as well. Um, copy books, pens, pencils, clothes, stuff they needed. Um, just about three, four hundred kids in this orphanage and it's like three rooms, normal sized bedrooms that like just a hundred kids sleeping in. Like they're literally yeah. just like sardines on the floor. So we raised, and nine of us raised money for the construction of a new building but it's only like half built um, and then I said I'd do this part of the reason I did do, do, Double Iron Man was to raise money for this Yes. so I've got a GoFundMe page set up if anybody listening wants to sponsor me if you just Google Ferdia GoFundMe you'll find it so I'm trying to raise over a thousand euro for it I've got 700 euro so far and I've still got a, a good few months left to get to the thousand but yeah that'll be a uh, the cool thing about it is that a thousand euro in Ireland is probably worth like seven or eight grand at least in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. Like that can have a whole new building over there, and it's just worth so much in food and clothes and everything else. Yeah, the, the uh, people sponsoring kids to go to school. So the people that are listening, they know that if they do donate to your your GoFundMe page, so Google Ferdia, was it F E R D I A? Yeah, Ferdia. Man, God, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it translates as, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the That's best, the, best yeah. name ever. It is, yeah. It translates, it's the Irish word for man god, Ferdia, Ferdia, so. It is a great name, all right. So Google um, Ferdia, F-E-R-D-I-A, GoFundMe, uh, will pull up the page. Yeah. Can you outlay uh, what GoFundMe is for people who mightn't be familiar with it? Or GoFundMe is it's just a website. I wasn't familiar with it until recently, until I set up the page. It's just a website um, through which you can advertise whatever you're raising money for essentially and okay brilliant you can just through you just enter in your, your card details and then however enter the amount you want to donate okay brilliant so whatever e- like e- even even a euro something like a euro is probably worth 10 euro over in Uganda which can get which can buy a set of clothes for a kid or something like you know yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that the beauty of that and I've spoken it before is People have an aversion to giving to charity uh, because of, there's been a lot in the press about you know where it goes and yeah. it's paying these CEOs and it's you know it's going yeah. to all this. At least when they give it to someone like yourself, they can be 
100% assured that it's going to this particular school and their money is going where they're saying yeah, it's Yeah, there's, there's nothing because it's, it's the organisation, the UVF, who we who got us in touch with the school. Like, It's really small, it doesn't do any advertising or anything, so there's, there's no costs involved in making leaflets or anything like that. Because yeah, yeah, it's, it's an advantage when a company like it, when a charity is so small in that respect that all nearly, that all the money you give essentially is going straight to where you wanted to go. Yeah, of course. And there's that catch twenty two that they want to grow, so they have to start yeah. advertising, which means that they, and they grow a bit and well, they start employing yeah. people, and then all of a sudden you're you're in the charity business as opposed yeah. to the helping <clears throat> people business. Yeah, exactly. Like Troker, something like I heard before, like ten percent gets lost in advertising costs or something. Oh, well, believe yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah no, so of like, course, yeah. That can be a nine then if you're if you want to give hundred euro, thinking about ten euros going to this, ten euros going to this, fifteen euros going here. Yeah, how much yeah. money is actually going to where I wanted to go can be annoying. But yeah, with this, everything's going straight to. No, to brilliant. The so yeah. Google for the uh, GoFundMe page, dig him up, uh, throw them on a couple of quid. I know I certainly will, and I'd advise or hope uh, a couple of the listeners definitely will too. You'll come back uh, after the double, will you? Will you come back on? I definitely will, yeah. Yeah, no, we'll have you back on, if not before yeah, then, yeah. to if see how things are going. I'll tell you about it. If I finish it or not, I'll come back, yeah. Yeah, no, geez, no, definitely. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you want to put up your own social media? Have you a Facebook page? Have you a dedicated for the athlete page? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You should. And I was saying the same you, to you, I, heard, I was listening to Mac in one earlier, and he kind of said what I was thinking as well. And that, like, people think you're a tit to have yeah, Graham Mack pitch. But he, <laughs> at least he's at least he's done stuff of note. Like, he's done the race across America. He's done loads of shit, and he's he's good at it. Whereas all I've done is an Ironman fifteen and a half hours, which is nothing like. Yes, but people amazing to be honest. It, it, you see, it isn't an isn't. My view on this, I think, I probably said the same to Graham was. I could go and follow whoever the top triathlete man in the world is. Yeah. I could go and follow him, but I don't give a shit. Because he's, you know, he's he's up there and he's kind of, he's up there with like astronauts and people who are kind of more human than Will me. Will Smith like, and... Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. Yeah. But you're, no disrespect, obviously, you're just some <laughs> lad from Cavan. No, absolutely. Do you yeah. know that kind of way? Yeah. And, but there's something really real and genuine and honest and tangible about that. And I think people, people want and need to follow people like you and Graham he's just some dude from Navin yeah. like, do, you know, do you know that kind of way and yeah. I think there's something really beneficial for you guys even coming onto this platform and, and talking yeah. about your, your journey to date and what you're, you're planning to do as opposed to somebody coming in who's done all that and I don't know it's just a bit out of reach from people like I even see it in my own experience I would have like most fellas, kind of seen the UFC over the years, but it was always this thing that, you know, other people, kind of superhuman people did. But then I watched a program called The Ultimate Fighter and they had lads like me and you training to get into the UFC and it made it that little bit closer to home and I was like, Jesus, that those guys aren't too far away from me. They've got day Maybe, jobs and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've got lives, they've got, you know, girlfriends and families and kids and whatever else, jobs, the whole lot. But me seeing those guys doing it, I kind of said, maybe I could, you know, Google MMA Ireland and find a club. And, you know, that set me down the, the MMA rabbit hole. Like, um, I had known about the top tier fighters for years, like, you know, Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and all these guys. But they were almost godlike in a sense to me, just too out of reach. So I couldn't recommend you getting your 
your finger out and you Graham Mackin you bollocks yeah. <laughs> um, but have you your own Facebook or Instagram I even if it's Insta- not a dedicated page yeah. that you'd be willing to kind of share with the listeners yeah I don't I barely use them at all um, I deleted the Facebook app off my phone it was one of the best things I've ever done because you just waste so much time scrolling through my Facebook's yeah, yeah. crap an attention sink but, um, yeah I do put up I will be putting up stuff after I finish the Double Iron Man just on Instagram or whatever maybe um, so yeah I have, I have just my own personal Facebook and Instagram I'm, if it's just, just my name. It's my name in Irish, Ferdia O'Donoghue, as opposed to Ferdia Donoghue, and Facebook. Facebook, and I'm the same, Ferdia O'Donoghue, um, both Instagram and Facebook. Um, I changed the name to Irish from English to Irish uh, when I moved over to Dubai because oh, the kids at school <laughs> started laughing me so I was like right, fuck, I better change it no um, brilliant yeah. well listen man we just did an hour 45 it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, Ferdy a GoFundMe to throw uh, you a couple of quid and help out with the, the school in Uganda and we'll definitely get you back on either shortly before you go over and do it which I think could be an interesting time yeah uh, or certainly after you've you've uh, you've done it yeah definitely so, so uh, thanks a million for coming on yeah cheers